You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. I want you to do something with me real quick. I know you just took a seat, but I want you to stand up. I just want you to shake it off. Stand up, come on. Just shake a little bit, just shake. It's fine, we're all doing it. Shake it off. Yeah, because when we're doing something new, it can get a little like, man, this get a little tense, right? A little uncomfortable. I get it. Trust me, I get it. I, I, five years ago, I would have been the last person in this room to, to raise a hand or, or kneel on the floor. And it's just, just, yeah, shake. I hope you feel a little bit better. All right, we're all in this together here this morning. If you didn't figure it out yet, this morning is different. That's uh, literally the first words uh, on, on your uh, thing right here this morning, whatever this is called, a handout. This morning is different. Ongoing worship from 8 to noon. Um, if you want to know a little bit more about why, just read this. Read this while I'm talking. I don't care. Read this whenever. Um, we want to break out of a mold. We want to do something different this morning. We want the spirit to move. We want to show God that we care and that we are not stuck in our ways. We want to remove some barriers that might exist maybe, maybe here out in front of us, the way we usually do things, or, or even more likely the barriers that are inside of us. What keeps us from being able to connect with God, to really worship God, to really know God? I want to share with you a story I read yesterday. A kindergarten teacher was observing her classroom of kids while they were drawing. She would occasionally walk around to see each child's work. As she got to one little girl who was working diligently, she asked what the drawing was. The girl replied, I'm drawing God. The teacher paused and said, but no one knows what God looks like. And without missing a beat or looking up from her drawing, the girl replied, they will in a minute. I thought that was cute. Got a question for you. Have you seen God? You know what God looks like. Now, don't get all theological on me telling me that no one's ever seen God. No one knows what God looks like. Have you seen the face of Jesus? Have you been in the presence of God yourself? If you missed the last uh, hour, the first hour of worship here this morning, Bob told us Susan, uh, told us Susan, told a story about him and his wife Susan. Uh, a couple months ago, they were in Canada. They were traveling, and they um, were, wanted to see these waterfalls. Mont- Montezuma, is that right, or Montezuma or something? Falls. I don't know. Anyway, uh, Montezuma. What is it? Multnomah. There you go. Um, but there are these double waterfalls, and in fact, you can kind of see them in the picture right there. Just this gorgeous sight, and they were just dying to see them. And, and at, at every turn, there was just one more barrier or roadblock or, a, or an officer with a gun standing in the road saying, don't cross. They just could not get to these falls. And my favorite part of the story is after all this frustration and a day of hard work to get into these falls, they failed, they couldn't. They go back to their hotel room and hanging on the wall to mock them is a picture of these waterfalls that they wanted so desperately to see. So I'm gonna ask you this again. Have you seen God? Or have you only seen a picture of him that's been drawn by someone else? Have you yourself journeyed through the wilderness? 
stood in the presence of his magnificence, his awesomeness, his power, his glory, and knelt down and said, my Lord, my creator, has your life been changed? Can you testify from your own experience or only from what others have told you? Regardless of what your answer is to that question is this morning, here's the good news. There's a scripture, one of my favorite scriptures, Jeremiah 29, 13, it says this. These are the words of God. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I want you to say this with me. Leave those words on the screen, please. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Say it again. Now hear God saying it to you, though. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. One more time. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Now sit with that. Just five, five seconds of silence. Sit with that and listen to it. This was the second scripture that I ever memorized. Short, brief, to the point, powerful. You know why I love this scripture? Because it's a promise. I just love, I love when God promises his people something, because that's something I can cling to. And you know what I love about this is, is there are so many things in life you can seek that you just may or may not get. You can seek wealth with all your heart. You may or may not get it. You can seek a successful career with all your heart. You may or may not get it. You can seek recovery of any kind. You may or may not get it. You can seek happiness with all your heart. You may or may not get it. But God says, if you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. That is a promise that I will cling to. That is a certainty. And no matter how distant God may seem now, in the future, in the past, no matter how unattainable he may seem or out of reach or unknowable or inconceivable, God says, when you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Never, my brothers and sisters, never let go of that promise. That's what we're here to do this morning. This morning we are here in whatever way we can and whatever way we know how to seek God with all our hearts. To move out of the way any barriers that have stood between us and God. To overcome any challenges that may have been set before us on the journey to the waterfalls, right? We are here to seek and to find God in this space together. Now, uh, you may or may not have heard this story. Back in April, our staff went on a retreat, and it was, it was to plan uh, this upcoming fall, right? Uh, we do this a couple times a year. What does the fall look like? What does the spring look like? Whatever. But this retreat was different. This retreat that we went on was different. There were 20-plus uh, staff members there, ranging from, from pastors to some on the janitorial staff, and everything um, 
just every area of this church. And what we did this time that was different is we didn't just uh, share all of our ideas and kind of measure, you know, which ones were best, weigh out pros and cons. Well, we didn't do that, right? What we did is we went there seeking one question, asking one question, saying, God, what do you want to say to Schweitzer this fall? We spent nine hours that day with 20 or 25 of us listening for the answer to that question, God, what do you want to say to Schweitzer? This fall. I've never experienced anything like this before, at least not to that magnitude, right? So many people kind of seeking a consensus in the Holy Spirit. But here's the first question I have for you. Would you really expect God to speak in that situation? Would you really expect that the word that he gave us, or if he gave a word at all, would be a consensus of any type, or coherent, or even, you know what I mean? Are you the type of person have you experienced God in such a way that you believe if you seek him and you seek his word, he will give it to you. He will show it to you. Let me tell you right now, if you're not that type of person, become one. I've learned time and time and again, as I have doubted time and time and again, that when I seek God with all my heart, I find him. He is faithful. So here's what God said to the staff that day, I want you to uh, pull out your handout. On the back of that, you'll see in this white space, it'll also be on the screen right here. These are God's words through the staff to all of Schweitzer for this fall. I am calling you to prepare for blank by radically relying on me and each other. Praying boldly and expectantly, and waiting with joy and patience. I want you to kind of just... Keep that right in front of you as we go through this. See, as we talked this morning about seeking God, about removing barriers between us and God, I would just like to suggest that this is a good place for us to start. Why do I feel this way? Well, because there's a million different things that we can do to get started, and at times it can be incredibly overwhelming. At least it can for me. And I really believe on that day, our staff, I think, really believes that day that this was God's words for Schweitzer. Corporately, as a church, but also for the individuals of this community. And that until we get this right, we will not see or experience God in the way that he wants us to see or experience him. So I believe there are some things that God is calling out of us. There are some barriers that he's identifying in this statement, and I want us to look at those together this morning. The first one is this. He says, I'm calling you to prepare. The first barrier is a lack of preparation. First barrier, I believe, standing between us and God is a lack of preparation. Now, here's what I mean. I, I, uh, if you go on a journey in the wilderness, for instance, how might you expect to get where you're trying to go on a long journey if you go unprepared? Anyone who's been hiking, and look, I am not an avid hiker, but anyone who has been hiking knows that if you hike for long enough, you will face challenges. There will be roadblocks, there will be barriers of all different kinds, and if you are not prepared, you simply will not make it. This is not rocket science. You've got to be prepared for the challenges that are to come. 
Now, in, in, in our walk with Jesus, all right, how many of you, I'm guessing all of you, because this is me too, how many of you have set out, like sincerely set out to live faithfully unto God and then just blew it the next day or the next hour? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, how many times have you told God, God, I'm done, or God, I'm moving on, or God, I'm yours, or just God, take my life, and then the next day, or the same day, you're just falling back right into the same, how many, can I get an amen? Thank you. Now, this takes me back to a story in Mark chapter 14, and I preached this text uh, uh, earlier this year, and so it's still been really in my heart. And in Mark chapter 14, we have a story of the Last Supper, the story of the Garden of Gethsemane, right? And let me, I'm just gonna give you a summary of this story, okay? Um, right after the Last Supper, Jesus kind of says something like, the time is coming. Um, and, and his disciples, they say, Lord, we're gonna stick by your side no matter what. And that's where Peter's like, Jesus, even if I have to die with you, I will not leave your side. And Jesus says to him, Basically, before the rooster crows three times in the morning, you will have denied me three times. And Peter says, absolutely no way, Jesus. Absolutely no way. So while his disciples are convinced, we're sticking by your side. Well, it's nighttime. Jesus takes his disciples with him to the garden to go pray. He takes Peter, James, and John alongside him. And he says, will you stay here and keep watch with me and pray with me? So Jesus goes and he prays and he does the prayer that we all know. Lord, take this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. Then he goes back to his disciples and he finds them what? Sleeping. He says, could you not just, just keep watch and pray with me for one hour? And he goes back and he prays the same thing and then he goes back and he finds them sleeping again and this back and forth happens three different times and Jesus says, you know what, the time has come. So Jesus goes, gets arrested by the authorities, and I believe in verse 40 or something like that, it says, the disciples ran away and they fled. They left the side of Jesus. And there is a tone throughout this entire scripture. Well, Jesus says it. Your spirit is willing. Your spirit is willing but your flesh is weak. Hear that from God today. Your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. Jesus knew this about himself in the flesh. His flesh was weak. Knowing that about himself, knowing that about himself, just being a human, he knew that in order to overcome this coming temptation, he needed to pray and prepare himself in the garden and his disciples needed the same, but their failure to prepare, their failure to prepare meant that their willingness of spirit, that their desire to stay next to God served them no benefit when the time came for them to overcome temptation. Y'all following what I'm saying? So you might be asking, well, what are we preparing for? How are we supposed to prepare? Well, I'm glad you asked. We're gonna continue. I'm calling you to prepare for blank. I know this really sucks. I hate blanks. I've had nightmares about blanks. Like how many of you so badly want for us to fill in the blank? 
God, can you just tell us what we are preparing for? Please let us know. Is it possible that a barrier between us and God is our incessant need to know what is not for us to know? To control what is not for us to control? To live a life, a life of seeing rather than living a life of faith. Do you get what I'm saying? If we don't prepare for everything, then we will be prepared for, we, will, we won't be prepared for what is to come our way. I believe this blank that God left for us, calling you to prepare for blank, I believe it, it, is, it, is, a, it is a gift. Prepare for it all. Don't assume. You don't have to know. You don't have to control. Just prepare yourselves for anything. And here's how I want you to do it. By relying, radically relying on God and each other. So let's talk about this. Barrier number three. Reliance on self and systems. Is it possible that a barrier between you and God is you need to be self-reliant? Let's talk about reliance on self just here to begin with. I mean, I know most, most Christians I know are very quick to say, you know, I, yeah, I, I rely on God. You know, if I'm honest, I mean, I, I'm just speaking from my own personal experience. I can say, yeah, I rely on God. But when it comes down to it, through a lot of difficult situations, right, um, I, I really just, just kind of get through them like every other person who is or isn't a believer, right? Is that, it, what does it really look like then to rely on God? You get what I'm saying? I mean, non-believers get through difficult situations too, don't they? What does it really look like to radically rely on God? I remember, uh, so we, I went on this prayer retreat a, like a month ago with some young adults, and we, they threw us out in the wilderness for 12 hours, and we had to f- find our way around, it's called or whatever. Anyway, um, on this trip, I told, a, I told one of the guides um, I voiced this for the first time. There's a scripture in 2 Corinthians 12 where Paul says, um, in my weakness, then I am strong, right? When I'm weak, then I'm strong. And he talks about like how, how God put the thorn in his flesh. You know what scripture I'm talking about? And he says, I asked God for t- to take away this thorn again and again and again, and he wouldn't. God told me that, my, that, that I am your strength, right? And so this is a scripture that like, I've just never really understood. I, don't, I have not personally experienced this idea that when I am weak, that I am strong, and I still haven't, all right? But, but I voiced this to the guide that day, and I said, this, I feel like this is my next step in faith, is to really figure out what Paul is talking about here. It's to really know what it means to rely on God and his strength rather than my own. Two days later, <laughs> be, be careful what you say, all right? Two days later, I was struck with this like awful digestive something. It was like this gut pain, um, unexplainable, still mysterious, uh, for two weeks. And it took me away from work. It took me away from, I mean, just, I was just, I was just floored by this, by this uh, sickness or whatever it was. And um, I'm just being honest with you, I have not been farther from God in a long time than I was in those two weeks. <laughs> and this is, I feel like this is God telling me, yep, you're right, you do need to figure this out. 
What does it really mean to rely on God? And I'm proposing that question to you because I'm proposing it to myself. I don't know, but let's explore it, all right? Is it possible that a barrier between you and God is your self-reliance, your need to be comfortable and, and, and healthy and, and strong by yourself? You get what I'm saying? The second is, is we tend to rely on our, ourself or even on systems. Like, let's rely on this ministry to help people or that ministry or this program or that program or this church or that, and let's just help people that way. But the reality is, look to your left, look to your right, <laughs> your brothers and sisters around you, are you really relying on each other? Can you really say to the, to the person next to you or to someone else in this church, I need you in this way? I've experienced this firsthand. It's incredible where we can say to members of our covenant discipleship group, like we, my wife and I need a date. Can any one of you babysit for free this weekend? I, they do this all the time. That's family, guys. And that's just the, the, the tip of the iceberg. This is what the church was meant to be. And until we figure this out, man, there will be that barrier between us and God because you see what I'm learning is that I see God in my brothers and sisters. I experience him through relationships with my brothers and sisters. So when you cut that off, there remains that barrier between you and God. Barrier number four. God says, I'm calling you to prepare for blank by radically relying on me and each other, praying boldly and expectantly. And so wimpy prayer. Wimpy prayer. I want to tell you about bold prayer. All right, I don't know a lot about bold prayer. I'm not speaking from, from tons of experience, but I've, I've, I've heard of it, all right? And so there's this um, wonderful lady. I, I don't have permission to share her name, so I won't. And so the wonderful lady in, in the, the preschool who year, for years has been praying for a bus. And some of you have probably heard this story. She's been praying that we get a bus. Like, who prays for that for years, that the church gets a bus? Well, she identified the need long before anyone else even did, and she's been praying, well, what happened just within the last month? We got a bus. And it wasn't even like she strategically coordinated. It just happened. And prayers, I mean, that is bold and expectant prayer. God, we need a bus. And then for years and years just to, just to faithfully pray, and for it to happen, are you kidding me? What? What, what are we praying boldly about? What is God placing on your heart to ask for, you know? It's like, I'm over here praying for like a bowel movement and I think God wants me to pray for a movement of the spirit. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> Sorry if that was too graphic for some of you. But wimpy prayer can just be a barrier between us and God. Be not afraid to ask God of anything. Jesus says, you have the faith of a mustard seed. You can pray for that mountain to be thrown into the sea. And it, I mean, we just take that, that information so lightly, you know? I believe God wants more. The fifth barrier we're gonna talk about is impatience. God says, I'm praying, I'm calling you to prepare for blank by radically relying on me and each other, 
praying boldly and expectantly and waiting with joy and patience. In the first hour here, we asked people what uh, common barrier was between them and God, and uh, someone raised their hand and they said, busy. If you heard the, the bishop speak last week when he was here, um, that's one of the things that, was, that he identified in our culture was busyness. We're just busy. We're not comfortable with space, right? We're not comfortable with, with, with quiet time and just laying things down and just, just having emptiness in our lives. We're not comfortable with that. And so we fill our time and our heads and our minds with, with junk. I'm speaking from experience here. But please hear me that waiting isn't just like just sitting idly by and waiting for God to do something. Waiting is the active uh, participation with God's spirit. It's like when we begin waiting, that's when God begins cleaning out our spirit, right? Waiting is the act of, of sitting, emptying ourselves, opening us up to the work that God wants to do in our lives. And, and sometimes it doesn't feel like anything happen, is happening, right? But it is so very necessary for our souls that we wait for the Holy Spirit to fill us and lead us in the direction that God wants to take our lives. And if we are not creating that space, if we are not giving God the time to move that he needs to clean out our souls and to get us moving in the right direction, it won't happen. I think sometimes it's just like we struggle to, to have faith in God because it's, it's been so seldom that we've actually seen his promises bear fruit in our lives. Why? Because we've given up on him. That just took too long. Yeah, I know, God, you said this, but I did this, and you just didn't act. So, but is it possible? It's because we didn't give him the time to prove his faithfulness to us. Barrier number five is impatience. These are one of many that may be going on in your life. Um, these are some barriers, I believe, that exist between Schweitzer and God. I want to see God move here. I want to see God transform this church. I want our prayers to increase, not in just in frequency, but in boldness. Like, what do you want to see God do? I'm just, I'm, I'm sick of the, the plain old stuff, you know, and I want every one of us to be able to say from personal experience, this is how, this is what God looks like. This is his power. I know it. I've seen, I see it every morning. I've been in his presence. My life has been changed. Not 10 years ago, yesterday. Today. So as we continue in worship this morning, um, we're gonna, there's gonna be a video that plays and KJ is gonna lead us in some more time, but I just want you to consider um, which one of these barriers is time for you to get out of your way.